You know, Ryan, I could bring up a number of important hockey topics right now, like how the Flyers just got their first win in the year 2022, and it's the end of March. That is something I could certainly bring up here. I could bring up Claude Giroux making his debut in a, a Panthers uniform and scoring a couple points. Good for Claude. But I really wanted to start the show off with the, the, the most important topic to me possible. And I have a question. And that question is, how often do you brush your teeth? Steve, this is a great question. And I think this is a question everyone needs to really ask themselves thoroughly. Because when people talk about, I feel like it's a given. You brush your teeth twice a day. Perhaps you do a little flossing, perhaps a little bit of mouthwash. I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes I'll only brush once a day. Mm. And you know who feels bad about it? Not me. I really don't. <laughs> I sure don't. So you're not a three times a day guy because like when I was growing up, I was under the belief that you were supposed to do it three times. And I'm like, how is that even possible? There is no reason to brush your teeth three times a day. <laughs> granted, I don't have these pearly whites. I have like decent teeth. My teeth are fine. Every time I go to the dentist, they're like, everything looks great. Like no cavities or anything like that. I got my, my water pick, which changes everything. But I just feel like three times a day, that's, that's, I feel like that's what dentists do. Three times a day is madness. It's complete madness. But th this came up at the bar for me last night. I was uh, hanging out with uh, some old co-workers last night. And for some reason, this all came up just at the end when I was preparing to leave. And the guy, I, I was with a man and a woman, and the, the man goes, like, uh, he says, he said that he was like, oh, yeah, I brushed. I tell them I brush twice a day, but it's once and it's in the morning. And I'm like, once a day? Like, yeah. always? Like, I understand doing it every now and then because sometimes you're tired. You just don't feel like doing that shit or something. But like, right. your mouth's pretty gnarly at the end of the day, my dude. Like, you really should be brushing at the end of the day if you can. There's a bunch of gunk up in there. Like, come on. Yeah. Just for the love of at God. The very least. Yeah, at the very least, you have to do it once in the morning, once at night. Yeah. And that's like the bare minimum. And I think that is fine. I think that can get you by. But he was proudly saying he does not brush at night and he brushes first thing in the morning only. Yeah, that's a little raunch. But to each their own, I suppose. I, I feel like I feel like when you take when you brush a third time, which I presume would be in the middle of the day, that's just it's an awkward time of the day to brush your teeth. And it's just like, you're not going to see me just, you know, if it's like a Saturday, I'm not going to be just chilling on the couch, you know, playing Elden Ring and all of a sudden like, oh man, you know what I need to do? I got to brush my teeth. And then I just get up, brush my teeth in the middle of it. And like, I don't know, that's just not something that ever comes to my mind in the middle of the day. It's always wake up, brush my teeth first thing, and then get ready for bed, brush my teeth last thing, and then pass out. I will mouthwash in the middle of the day sometimes, but mainly if I have like really bad like coffee breath or something because like I'm yeah, not drinking yeah. enough water and I'm just pounding coffee through the workday. Yeah. Also, I think that's another thing for me. Like if I have one of those days where I only brush once during the day, it, so I I only drink water. That is it. Like 
on weekends, I'll drink alcohol if I'm with my friends, but like throughout the week, all I'm drinking is water. So it's not like I'm getting coffee breath or any, any like soda, whatever it could be in my breath. It's, it's pretty much just water and that's it. Now oh, okay. still, that's different. That's different. Yeah, you're, yeah. You know, coffee, like, coffee can stain the teeth. It's very, it can make your breath pretty gnarly. Like it's, you know, the more variety of things you're drinking, the, the more likely it is to have reason to brush your teeth at the end of the day. So that's, that's an interesting caveat you've uh, listed out there. Yeah. Yeah. Still two times a day though. That's, that's the golden, the golden standard. Anytime less or anything less than that, that's, you're just having a bad day probably. So probably, but it sounds like every day is a bad day for this guy that I hang out with. Like <laughs> if you're listening, my friend, God bless you. God, Jesus. And, and like, I, I hadn't seen this guy in a while either. And like, of course this comes up like at the end of the night when I'm a little tipsy and I'm just <laughs> like, so, and he's loud. So I have to be loud to talk to him. And the bar's a right. little loud, so I'm basically, like, screaming, like, you only brush your teeth once a day? Like, <laughs> in the middle of this bar. Everyone's looking around, like, what the hell's going on with this guy? My God. There was a woman at the table right behind him that, like, actually gave him the thumbs down to me. And I was like, this lady knows what's up. Oh, God. This reminds me of the debate. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this, but there's a debate going on right now about... Um, are there more wheels in the world or are there more doors in the world? Have you heard about this? Have you seen this? You heard about this? Uh, yeah, I had um, I had seen it brought up in the Slack briefly and I briefly saw it on Twitter. And I think I, I saw it when I was in the office one day. So I didn't quite have the, the patience to fully investigate this. I was just like, I, I, I don't have time to get into whatever <laughs> all of this is because yeah. I'm sure it's a whole thing that the internet is going to be very passionate about. But it's one of those things that if I, I do think about it for like a couple minutes, it, it is kind of a, a mind fuck where you're just like, what, what is the answer? <laughs> Who knows? Someone asked um, Bruce Boudreau, the uh, former should of got head coach of the Flyers. And um, someone asked him that during a press conference, I think like last week or something. And he was like, he literally responded. They said, hey, Bruce, do are there more wheels in the world or doors? And he was just like, holy fuck. <laughs> like he was, so, he was so thrown off. And then they're like, so what's your answer? He's like, I don't have a clue. I have no idea what the answer to that question is. So like, yeah, it's... It's a whole thing. It's uh, it's kind of, I don't know, it's fun, these little debates. You know, I think at this point, my hockey dream is to go get, like, a tray of hot dogs with Bruce Boudreau and Phil Kessel. <laughs> and just, like, blow their minds. Would that be, like, borderline cannibalism for uh, Boudreau, considering, as Bill Matt says, Bruce Boudreau kind of looks like ham. So if he eats, <laughs> Boudreaux eats some hot dogs, is that cannibalistic behavior? I think it might be. It might be. But I always think of the the Bruce, Bruce Boudreaux like, clip where he, he walks into the mall and he goes, I smell food. <laughs> oh, my God. He's like he an is... all-time kooky NHL like presence to me. Like He is just such a goofy guy, and I, I love him. Yeah, he's so good. He gives me Andy Reid vibes, too, a little bit, because, like, Andy Reid would not be shy about the fact that, like, he knew that he ate a lot, and it, that was basically his, like, kind of his persona. Oh, and, yeah, like, and that's his somebody... vice. 
he, he openly yeah. admits it's his vice. Like, I think it was a couple of years ago when he won the Super Bowl and he was like, I think I'm just going to go eat a big cheeseburger. Like, or I'm sorry, I got to do this. In pro- I can't do Andy Reid voice like that. What, I'm just doing a disservice to the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles for over a decade. I got to go uh, eat a big cheeseburger. <laughs> Time's yours. I was about to say, <laughs> you have to say time's yours. That's like kind of the rule of Andy Reid. There's two Andy Reid quotes. Like you just say time's yours and got to do a better job. Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely got to do a better job. And honestly, that's pretty much just the theme of life, isn't it? Sometimes it, you just got to do a better job. Sometimes you got to do a better job. And right now the question is, does Chuck Fletcher, Chucky two oh! trades himself, does he have to do a better job? What a segue. Oh, man. I'm not going to lie. I was very much on the fence about, like, I was going to give us, like, a choose-your-own-adventure kind of thing and say, which topic do we yeah. want to talk about? But then the perfect segue came up, and I decided it's time to talk about Chucky e. 2 Trades, the life and times of Chucky e. 2 Trades. And, uh, of course, have to give the shout-out to Craig uh, for coming up with the Chucky e. 2 Trades nickname back in the day yes. because it's still, it's stuck, and it's a great nickname. Yes, it is. Tremendous. Uh, yeah. I feel like, I mean, yeah, I mean, what is, what does he have to do to improve? I, I feel like we have, you know, the, a lot of people have theories. What does Chucky, Tuck, Jesus, Tucky, Chucky two trades? What is, what should be his blueprint to fix this mess? And really, I think the bigger question <laughs> Tucky is, Chucky two, Chucky two trades. Chucky two chains. <laughs> two chains. Yeah, it's two chains. Yeah. Chucky two chains. Um, yeah, I feel like he, I feel like there are so many things that should be on his to-do list uh, to make things better for the Flyers. But right now, I think the big question is, is Chucky Two Trades the guy to fix this thing? And I'm not convinced that he is, you know? Oh, for sure. Like uh, this question. So the reason I really wanted to address this today, and honestly, I didn't even anticipate doing another podcast this week but when we did the live show on the trade deadline on monday which feels like an eternity ago at this point i i kept getting questions about chuck fletcher and the flyers future gm and everything and it's a good it's they're good questions and really chuck's future depends on a number of factors but first and foremost it depends on if the flyers really do want to try and dip their toes right back into trying to win hockey games because they're not succeeding at that very well. They literally just won their first away game of 2022 last night. And he's making these weird moves like this. So let's talk about some recent moves that Chuck's made. He put Jerry Mayhew on waivers and lost him to the Ducks, which I thought, like, look, Jerry Mayhew is not a great loss in the grand scheme of things. Much like his other waiver losses, like, uh, uh, who's our good friend that he's lost? Oh, I got it down here. Mark Friedman, who he lost on waivers, and Nicholas Abe Kubel. I know the NAKGB was very upset about that, but, you know, ultimately these are not, you know, it's not the end of the world losing any of these guys, but from a PR standpoint, Jerry Mayhew, Mayhem Mayhew, was probably the best story of the entire season and the most fun player. He had six points, all goals. Like, he literally did what Flyers fans wanted, just score goals. And he's been, like, one of the only fun parts of the season outside of, like, Cam Atkinson. And is there another fun part of the season? I don't know. But, like... That kind of move sucks, and then he gets this guy, Hayden Hodgson, out of nowhere that nobody's ever heard of before, although he inexplicably scored a goal against the the Blues last night, so I... Yeah! 
that was honestly kind of fun too. Like seeing the game he had and like given the whole career path he's taken, like ECHL, he was in the OHL. I think he was on the, the McDavid team with uh, Strom and McDavid. Like um, just to see him go from like ECHL bouncing between that and the AHL and then coming up here playing his first NHL game at 26 years old and then scoring a goal. Like it wasn't a pretty goal. It wasn't like amazing. It wasn't blowing anyone's minds, but it was cool, you know, and that was a cool little story. But like at the end of the day, like that's kind of what Jerry Mayhew was. He offered that storyline that people could kind of latch onto and say like, oh, wow, this is like a fun thing in this dismal, awful season that is the 2021-22 Flyers season. And that's gone. And so what is, is Hodgson like the new Mayhew now after the game he played last night? I feel like he might kind of take on that role, but you're right. Like to lose Mayhew, he's not an important player. And if they end up losing Hodgson, he's not an important player either, but it's, it's definitely a fun storyline that the Flyers have been missing, and they just keep kind of, like, letting those players go. Right, and they did it in favor of, like, Max Willman, who I, I don't yeah. want to offend Max Willman, but he's not a very good hockey player, and Patrick yes, Brown, who scored yeah. last night, right? But that's, like, the first thing I've seen Patrick Brown do in months at this point. I, and I get they need centers, and I, I get they need these guys, but, like, you're really going to put a guy like Mayhew, who, you know, he end, obviously ended up being on somebody's radar. He ended up being on the Ducks' radar uh, on waivers over a guy like Willman, who just, like, Willman, I guess, is fine with the the basic fundamentals. He's a fine fourth liner. But, like, these aren't the guys we want to see. Like, there was that frustrating period when Cam York was set down. And you're just like, I just want to see Cam York. And now we're seeing Cam York an extended, you know, extended period of time. And he looks great. I think he's the Flyers' best defenseman. <laughs> yeah, like, and it kind of makes me, because for a while he was with Keith Yandel and people were like, oh, I don't know about Cam York or whatever. But the, again, it was he was with Keith Yandel. So not many people are going to look great playing next no. to him. But you put him next to Ivan Provorov, and I feel like that allows York to play more of his game. And I think that allows Provorov to play more of his game. And I don't know, maybe the next 19, I think there's 18 or 19 games left in the season. I think we're down to 18 now because I, I posted a, a Gordon Ramsay thing the other day saying 19 <laughs> games left. How can this be? Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> you stupid donkey. Um, yeah, <laughs> no, I think, I think uh, these next, you know, 18 games or however many are left. I think that will be, um, it'll be a big moment for Cam York, obviously, because he's trying to prove that he belongs in the NHL, which like clearly I think he does. Um, and I'm pretty sure he'll be in the starting lineup for game one next season, barring an injury, knock on wood. But um, it's also a big opportunity for Provorov because now we're hearing about Provorov, you know, and all these trade talks, it's all these rumors, who knows what's actually going to happen with him. But one thing is for certain is Provorov needs to be better because he's been so bad for pretty much this entire season um, barring the games that he played with Ryan Ellis. Um, and I think he needs to kind of end this season on a high note because if he doesn't, um, you know, it could be the end for him in Philadelphia. In, like, there's no reason to say that that's going to happen. There's no confirmed reports like, oh, so-and-so team is interested in Provorov. But um, right now with the quote-unquote aggressive retool coming, I feel like there's no one on the roster that's really safe right now. Right. And, and what I was saying about Provorov the other day on the live show is like, I know he's got a diminished reputation right now, but he's a guy you don't trade unless you're a hundred percent sure you are trading and he's not your guy. Like he definitely yeah. has been on the downswing in recent years, but you know, he's still a guy who 
can pull 25 minutes a night and we've seen be good. So I don't trade a guy like that unless I'm absolutely sure I'm ready to move on from him. And I, I, so let's look at some of Chuck's overall moves, some of his recent moves. I mean, most recently he extended Rasmus Ristolainen. He traded Claude Giroux to the Florida Panthers, got Owen Tippett, a 2024 first round pick. It just seems like forever from now. Uh, 2023 third round pick. He dumped a couple guys in Bunneman and the germ, the germ, get infected. But like, what what are some of the other moves? He traded Justin Braun. He traded Derek Broussard, got a pretty decent value for both of them. And then yeah. just overall, I've got some of the, the highlights here and lowlights, depending on what your your opinion is of uh, Chuck and his move so far. But, like, let's look at it. We've had the Wayne Simmons trade, right? That was, like, his first really big splash uh, because oh, Simmons yeah. had to go. He was not a guy they were going to re-sign. He had to be traded. He was traded to Nashville. Flyers got Ryan Hartman in a 2024 fourth-round pick. And, you know, I'm actually surprised that people don't make a bigger deal out of the fact that Hartman is now, like, crushing it for the Minnesota wild because the yeah. flyers just dumped him for Tyler Pitlick and then they dumped Tyler Pitlick for nothing. It's yeah. That trade still kind of, cause I feel like Ryan Hartman would have been such a good, like long-term flyer. You know, he's, he's got and exactly what they kind of need right now. Like he's a skilled player. He can, he can shoot the puck. Definitely. Like when, what he's doing in Minnesota right now, is he playing above his, uh, probably what he should be. Yeah. He's probably having a very lucky year, I would say, but at the same time, he's like a tough dude. Um, he's not afraid to drop the gloves, uh, lays some big hits. We saw him in like, I think his first game as a flyer, he laid some dude out and people went insane when he did it. Yeah. Um, and so like he has like that hard nosed playing style, but he's skilled. He can put up points and we're seeing him do it in Minnesota now. And it like, it's, they couldn't have predicted what he would be doing in Minnesota right now, because he's already been in Minnesota a couple of years and he never had a season even close to this. So this is kind of like this random rogue breakout season for him. So like, it's hard to say, Oh, should have kept because at the time he really was just like a fringe third line, fourth line player. I remember being a little disappointed when he got traded just because like I, I liked what I saw from him. And I think I also had a, a bit of a emotional baggage considering he was traded for Wayne Simmons. And I'm like, well, why wouldn't you keep the guy that was good enough to trade Wayne Simmons for? Come on. But, and then like, Pitlick, yeah, no, I like him too. He was on the team. Yeah. And Pitlick ended up being okay, but I, I would definitely say he was a, a downgrade from, from Hartman. Um, and then yeah. they don't even have Pit and Pitlick's really fallen off. He's only got two assists as of a couple days ago. And like, is my on, he's on Montreal now, right? Yeah, he's on Montreal. Which is very confusing because they also have Rem Pitlick. So it's like, <laughs> I, I can't believe there's two guys named Pitlick. Yeah, I think they're related. Let's see. Are they related? Oh, I wow. cannot remember. I think they might be cousins. So many liquors of pits out there. But, you know, the, it's just like <laughs> kind of a weird trail for, for Chuck there. But then his next move, and it's funny because we've been talking about this in the Slack lately, is like kind of the beginning of the end of everything right here, is the Radko Gudas for Matt Niskanen trade, which for a few months really seemed like a huge slam dunk for the Flyers. Just Matt Niskanen... Yes, with Ivan Provorov was the the top pair that we've wanted to see since Kimo Timonen retired, basically, or since Kimo Timonen yeah. got traded to Chicago. And 
man, it was just nice to see, like, they really were great together, and then when the Flyers came back and played in the bubble, Niskanen just was not himself, and then he retired after the season. Yeah, and I wonder how much COVID had to, I, like, had to do with that, you know, because, like, how do you go from having the season that he was having, and then COVID happens, there's a break, you come back, and you're just not you're you're a shell of what you were a few months prior and then all of a sudden you're just like yeah like out of nowhere i'm gonna retire from hockey like i wonder how much of that it had to you know it affected him i would be very Um, surprised if it had nothing to do with it because like it, it definitely had something to do with it just the environment they were in and there was so much uncertainty about just how the league was moving forward at that point and it's just bring him back bring him back chuck come on make it happen Just coax him out of retirement. I don't think they can afford the cap hit now, actually. I know. That's the most frustrating thing is like you would think that they'd have a ton of cap given how bad they are. and They have like no cap space at all. But I do want to say like so so far these trades that we've gotten to, I feel like the Wayne Simmons trade, it wasn't a bad trade. Like in retrospect, it would have been nice if they kept Ryan Hartman around. I wouldn't call it a bad trade, though. The Goudas for Niskanen trade was, like you said, it was a slam dunk. And no one foresaw Niskanen retiring. Had he stayed around, that probably would have gone down as one of his better trades, I feel like. Um, And then I feel like the Justin Braun trade, I feel like that wasn't a bad trade either. Like when they acquired him from San Jose, I feel like he ended up being a serviceable player during his time here. Oh, Justin Braun was better than I expected him to be. Sharks fans acted like the Flyers got, well, Rasmus Ristolainen in that trade. And, I mean, Justin Braun was like, he was the steady Eddie of this crew. Like, he was a guy who just went out there, he did his job. Sometimes he looked incredibly slow. But for the most part, like, he did his job, he showed up. And, I mean, this season, like, you haven't really noticed him too much, but it's been a good thing. Like, a a lot of defensemen, you know they're doing their job if you don't overtly notice them out there. And I really have not overtly noticed Justin Braun at any point this season. And now he has been quietly traded to the New York Rangers for a third round pick, yeah. and, which is fine. I mean, it's, it's perfectly fine, a perfectly fine trade and a perfectly fine trade away for Justin Braun. Yeah. No complaints there. I feel like every team needs a Justin Braun in the lineup, you know, like, cause he's like, you mentioned, he's the steady Eddie guy. He's like a good defense first defenseman. Um, he's not the kind of guy that's going to like put up a big amount of points or anything like that. And sometimes he can be a little frustrating cause he can be a little slow, but um, I do think he brings value. And I do think he's the kind of guy that can help get a team through a pl- I mean, we've seen him. He helped guide the sharks, the Stanley cup final a few years ago. Weird that they'd never uh, ended up giving out the cup that year. Very odd. I don't know why they just stopped playoffs you know they they do that sometimes every now and then every couple years they just stop and they don't hand out the cup and you're like what happened to the cup and yeah and there's no explanation why yeah huge mystery it should be on (laughs) mythbuster um but yeah it's it's yeah i feel like justin Braun's like a good player that plays the game you know the right way in terms of what you want in a third pair defenseman and i think that's part of the problem with what some people had with him in Philly is he was playing first line minutes when he, or first pair minutes when he shouldn't have been. Cause he's not a first pair defenseman. He's not. And that was frustrating to see this year. And you know, yeah. the next big move we've got here, if that worked out differently, then you don't have any problem 
with Justin Braun because Justin Braun's on the third pairing making Keith Yandel better and getting the appropriate minutes for himself and you just don't have an issue. But the next move is, I think, the most infamous one of Chuck Fletcher's uh, tenure so far, and that's Ryan, well, maybe Rasmus Ristolainen, but Ryan Ellis for Phil Myers and Nolan Patrick, which is, even with all the issues with Ryan Ellis's health, I still think a slam dunk for the Flyers because that's a huge, yeah. they got much more out of, like, what, three, four games of Ryan Ellis than Phil Myers and Nolan Patrick have given the entire season. Yeah. And like, the thing is, is like, even though Ryan S is hurt, he's still good. Like we know we've seen him play this season. He's still very good. It was only a few games. Um, will he be the same player next year? Who Who's to say? But if assuming he recovers the right way, they, they say he's going to. They expect him to be ready for next season. Um, if he's the player that he was before this, this injury that he's dealing with, um, then I think it's obviously a, a huge win for Chuck Fletcher. Um, he's a good defenseman. He was on a lot of really, really good Preds teams. And I think he's clearly a guy who could be a, a top pair defenseman on the Flyers, whether it's with Provorov, who, Cam York, whoever it ends up being with. Um, I think he's a very good player. And I think that's one of his clear wins as the GM of the Flyers so far. For sure. And even if this just ends up being a wasted season and Ryan Ellis is healthy for the rest of his contract like that's still a huge win because he's just that much better like he's so much better than most of the defensemen we've seen for the past decade of flyers hockey like it's not even close and i only saw him in a couple games but the thing is like this season is totally he is the biggest what if for the season because if he is healthy then the flyers defense remains stable uh, you know, uh, unfortunately, Risto Sanheim ain't changing. That's just, yeah. that's not, that wasn't apparently changing no matter what happened this year, which is wild to think about because you're paying Rasmus Ristolainen like a first pair guy and he gets to pay, play the second pair no matter what. But that's, we're going to get to that. But if Ellis is in there, then it's Braun and Yandel on the third pairing. And Keith yeah. Yandel is terrible, but he at least could be masked for his terribleness, if Justin Braun is there to clean up mistakes, cover right. those gaps. Like he is a smart defenseman, and in third pairing minutes, he's very good. Yeah, and then of course Provorov would be playing better too alongside Ellis. And um, I feel like th- that's just kind of the theme of Provorov's career so far. It's just like, is he with a guy who can help him play better? And because that's pretty much what Niskanen was. That's what Ellis was the first few games of the year. And then when it comes down to Provorov, you're you're the number one he seems to kind of cave and he he lapses under pressure a little bit so um yeah i feel like it would be a whole different season with ryan ellis still around for sure for sure so that positive move i would say at the end of the day the next two moves are not positive moves and i i don't know how you can possibly say these are positive right. moves in any way shape or form so shane goss to spare 2022 second round pick 2022 seventh round pick for future considerations to the arizona coyotes that that's just I we know it was a salary it. i hate it i know it was yeah. a salary dump i know nobody wanted to give up anything for ghost or whatever like dude it's just a terrible move. Ghost is having a great year in Arizona, and I totally get that he was not going to do that for the Flyers because the Flyers wouldn't just let him go ham like the Coyotes do. The Coyotes do not give a shit about what he does on defense as long as he puts up points. <laughs> he's he's like he's 
literally, he might actually be their best player this season. And Well, I, I don't know about that, but he's definitely one of their best players this season. And I think he's their sucks. second best after Clayton Keller. Yeah. And it just sucks that they literally gave him and draft picks away. Get the hell out of here, Shane. We don't want you anymore. Like, we need some salary cap to sign Rasmus Ristolainen. And now it's just like you see Keith Yandel on the power play. And it's just like you know Ghost would be so much better. He, I know pe- it drove people insane how he would take these one-time bombs from the point and he would miss the net by like a mile. And he did that way more often than he probably should have. But he was an effective power play quarterback. And he at least was fun, you know. And Yandel is neither of those things. And it's just it's it's infuriating that that trade even happened, and they gave up so much just for him to go away. And it, it's really really frustrating that it went down the way it did. Oh yeah, and I feel like if it was the seventh round pick and not the second round pick, I wouldn't be nearly as perturbed about this. But That's a fine, yeah. a second round pick is likely a quality hockey player that you're giving up yeah. there, especially uh, given how shitty the Flyers are. Yeah. Yeah, you would think that a 2022 second would become, you know, uh, some sort of NHL player at some point in their career. I, I know, like, it can be kind of hit or miss, and draft picks are are lottery tickets. You never know what you're going to get. But I feel like a second-round pick is high enough where it's just like you have got to keep on to those, and you've got to try and, you know, build your team with players like that that you can get in those, like, first three early rounds. And I, I, I don't know. Like – the fact that they, like a seventh round pick, who cares? Like seventh round picks hardly ever become anything. But yeah, I, I just feel like giving Ghost away with draft picks is just such a horrific move. And I don't, I understand the whole salary cap dump thing, whatever. But at the end of the day, he's still a skilled, good defenseman. He's someone that would be good, like on the third pair. Maybe you pair him with a Justin Braun. I know that, like, they tried that before and it didn't work out amazingly, but my God, anything would be better than uh Keith, Keith Yandel pairing. So yeah, Keith I, Yandel with yeah, like still... anybody is a disaster. Just anybody. Yeah. It's, it's terrible. So it, here's the thing. If the Shane Goss spare trade had happened and they had used that money wisely, right? Like for instance, the other day, Colorado traded for Josh Manson from the ducks. who was a right-handed defenseman, second pairing guy generally. Right. Really yeah. would have been a nice fit for your Philadelphia Flyers. <laughs> and perhaps if they had made that trade instead, we would be having a very different season as well. But instead, Chuck Fletcher, and this I, I think many fans would agree, maybe half the fan base, because half the fan base, the other half of the fan base is in the Wrist Alliance, but like <laughs> half the fan base would agree that this is Chuck Fletcher's worst move. By far. There's a couple other ones that we're going to get to shortly that could be up there as well. But this one really sticks out for at least me, where he traded Rasmus. He traded for Rasmus Ristolainen and from the Buffalo Sabres, he gave Robert, ha- Robert Haig a 2021 first round pick, a 2023 second round pick. Uh, Isaac Rosen ended up being the 2021 first round pick. Um, so... <sighs> I don't really care about the Hague part of the deal. Like that was his time to go. Although yeah. ironically, Hague would have been a better defenseman this season than Rasmus Ristolainen. God. Now Florida Panther, Robert Hague, who had an assist with Claude Giroux on a Barkoff goal last night. I still don't understand the thought. Bro. He, and the thing with 
Chuck Fletcher is he has it's clear he has a huge crush on Ristolainen. Like he's liked Ristolainen for a long time. I think when they had the first press conference after they acquired Risto, he basically said, like, yeah, I've had my eye on him for years now. Like even when I was in Minnesota, I had my eye on Ristolainen. And it's just like, what is it about this dude that makes you feel like he must be part of your squad? Like, what does he bring to the table other than just being a large man? What is it? That he does on the ice. And the thing is, like, it's not just Chuck Fletcher, right? Like, other guys feel this way. Keith Jones is the the most notable yeah. example I can think of. And Jones, he's usually a pretty solid hockey analyst, but he loves Risto. And, like, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills when these guys are talking about it. I know. And, like, they talk about having a hard-nosed player in the lineup. Like, it, I agree. It is good to have a player who's, like, kind of a tough guy, mixes it up after the whistle, um, you know, as they like to say, makes people have their head on a swivel when he's on the ice. <laughs> but like Ristolainen, like people talk about his big hits and everything. Where are they? I hardly see him throwing big hits. Like whenever he makes a hit, it's typically way away from the play. And it's like kind of like a, a grazing thing. It's he. It's not like he's just tossing dudes like Chris Pronger out there. He's just... He's kind of doing what Haig did. He would just go out of his way, throw a hit, and it's just like you look at the hit total at the end of the season. It's just like, where were all of them? <laughs> like, I honestly I, should I, probably update the NHL hits cover to have Risto on there because, like, it is just yeah. this, this point of absurdity. Like, dude, I want some dirty-ass Scott Stevens hits out there. Noted war criminal Scott Stevens. Like, go out yes. and just destroy guys. I want you to destroy guys. Yeah, make people straight up terrified of you. Like, go hurt, like, really, your intention, not, you should not try to injure people, but you should try to hurt people, and Rasmus Ristolainen, I just don't think is good enough to, um, I don't know, provide the type of hard-nosed hockey that the Flyers think they're getting. I don't know why, like, where is the disconnect? Like, how do they think they're getting it? Because he doesn't clear the crease. Like, I've seen him maybe do it twice the entire season. And then the most egregious example, I think, of him just kind of screwing up on defense was the other day when he, like, wiped out trying to block a shot and goes into the boards and just stays there. <laughs> and it took, like, a minute to get up off the ice. It was just, yeah, that was that was one of the shining shining moments of Ristolainen's season. And I say shining, obviously, um, uh, ironically, but he has just been, it's been a nightmare. And I, I really would love to be a fly in the wall in their meetings, the GM meetings and the personnel meetings, just to find out what it is in particular that they like about him and what it is, what statistics they're looking at, what metrics they're looking at that make them think that he's worth the money and what make them think that he's, someone who changes the direction of a hockey game, because I just don't see it at all. And I think it's one thing if Chuck makes the trade and then says, okay, he's not that good. Let's move on. And then you recover right. some That's assets, fine. right? Yeah. Like, even if you're just recovering like a third round pick or something, like it sucks, right? You have a sunk cost fallacy, but like you're still getting something back. And that's fine to just move on. But instead, Chuck doubled down and he signed this guy for five years, $5,100,000 a season, which is just like, it's such a bad contract. Like advanced stats guys have been losing their shit over this because this is like, number one, they think Risto's trash. And number two, 
this is just like a, a this is a fairly large contract for a guy that really is not giving you that much discernible value and is in fact making your hockey team notably worse. Yeah. The most insane thing about that about the whole extension for Risto is they were shop actively shopping him in the weeks, days leading up to the extension. And then they're like, oh, okay, well, we're not getting the offers we want. So let's just give him a massive contract for five years, right? Is it a five-year extension for him? Yeah, five five years. Let's give him a five-year, $5.1 million extension. Like, how do you go from shopping a player to giving them a – like – that much of an extension and they're still making they're taking hardly a pay cut he was making 5.6 now he's making 5.1 that's still a massive overpay and i just don't understand how you go from thinking of moving him to yes this is an asset that we need on the team for five years it doesn't it makes it doesn't compute for me at all like i don't care how good the guy is in the locker room he is not worth five million of your cap hit and that's the thing like i don't give a shit how much comcast or the flyers are actually paying guys but the salary cap is my concern and like this is part of the reason that it's going to be very difficult to bring claude Giroux back into the fold and bring in like a notable free agent like a johnny gaudreau because you are committing so much of your cap space to Rasmus Ristolainen to, you know, I wanted to talk about the next trade, but I think this is actually a good opportunity to talk about another significant cap space uh, commitment here. And that's Kevin Hayes, who I really like as a hockey player. I think he's a great guy based on what I've seen. And And he has been better too. He has been been better. And he's honestly, without Claude Giroux on your team, he's got to be one of the guys. And he had to be one of the guys anyway, because he has a significant commitment. He has a seven-year contract, seven million one hundred forty-two thousand. I'm not going to read the rest of the change there, but like, he's got a seven-plus million dollar a year cap hit, which that is a nice chunk of change right there on your cap. Again, I don't give a shit how much he's actually bringing home because I think hockey players are underpaid and the cap- salary cap should be way higher. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Kevin Hayes definitely probably making too much on the cap by two to three million frankly and this is a long commitment and this is a contract that unfortunately i I really like kevin hayes i think he's a great two-way player i think he's a great locker room presence he brings in all his best friends and they have a good time but he's had some injury issues already and some really bad injuries like abdominal injuries and like stuff that's hard to come back from and that can really linger and on top of that, just this is a long ass contract for a guy who plays tough minutes. Yeah, it's it's a long contract for him. And honestly, like, I don't understand why teams dish out seven year contracts. So like just left and right, I feel like players who don't deserve long term deals get them. And it's just I know it's part of the negotiating process. Players want term. They want stability and all that. But like, my God, save the seven to eight year deals for the franchise cornerstone players. As much as I love Kevin Hayes, I don't think he's a cornerstone player at all. Now, now he is because he has to be. They don't have a choice. He's there now. Look, he's the two C for what four more years, so at least. So I, I just I don't quite understand the term there. I, and I'm not seven million for Hayes. I can get down with. I don't hate that, but it's the term. And because I know when Kevin Hayes is good, he's a really good player. 
but it's just it's really really frustrating when someone like him comes in and they're expected to have this big role and then all of a sudden injuries happen and then he's just he's just not playing up to what his contract says he should be and i feel like that's a common theme with a lot of fletcher signings throughout his tenure in philadelphia for sure and Okay, so we've got the signings. Real quick before we get into the signings, I just want to talk about the uh, Voracek for Atkinson trade, which I oh, frankly yeah. view as fine. Like, is that really? I like that. It's a one-for-one hockey trade. Both guys needed a change of scenery. Both guys have succeeded right. where they've gone, and you actually have a lesser cap hit for Atkinson than you do for Voracek. A little bit more term for Atkinson than Voracek, but a lesser cap hit. And frankly, Cam Atkinson's a joy. I love having him on the team. He shoots the damn yeah. puck. Like, what more could you ask him to do? Yeah. And I think he's just like, I love Voracek, but I feel like Atkinson's just a more complete player too. Like he can play on the power play. He can obviously five on five. He's very good. He's very good at the power or the uh, power. Well, I was going to say power kill. The Flyers penalty kill is not a power like, kill. It kind of feels like, like a power kill as far as like the Flyers are getting killed on the power play. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But Atkinson's a good PK player and he's, I feel like Voracek wasn't, quite as complete as that at all everyone always complained about his defensive deficiencies and so it's good to have a player that's more well well-rounded in return so i loved that trade and i'm kind of hoping that the flyers make more of those hockey trades this summer i think that's what fletcher is referring to when he talks about having a an aggressive retool is kind of making lots of hockey trades but like just given what we've seen i mean i can understand why some people would have not the highest of confidence going into the summer so the interesting thing so far is based on what we've gone through as far as the trades go, there's really only two glaringly bad trades of the entire bunch. And they go hand in hand because Gostaspare right. was only really traded to clear room for Rasmus Ristolainen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, it's been two really, really bad trades. And then a few that are, yeah, a few that are Pretty good, you know, give or take. You know, there are some that may not have worked out exactly the way people wanted, but like the Wayne Simmons trade, obviously the Giroux trade. Um, people are going to talk a lot about both of those, but like... And maybe the lack of a Martin Jones trade. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like they definitely could have gotten something for him. But it's not like every trade Chucky Two Trades makes is the worst trade ever. It's not like It's not like Paul Fenton when he was in his, you know one year tenure as the wilds gm that was just insane he was making horrible trades like left and right he didn't i don't think he had a single good maybe the kevin fiala trade was a good one but for the most part it was just awful for him and chuck fletcher isn't quite at that level of bad but it's pretty obvious that he has a lot of ground to cover this summer and he has to make some just he cannot miss this summer because if he does it's going to be it's all the. It's going to be awful. A lot of people are going to be losing their minds. There's going to be a mutiny, and I just feel like it, it shouldn't have even come to this stage. And blame it on what you want: COVID injuries, whatever it might be. Um, Fletcher has just underwhelmed a lot since he came in, and it makes me wonder, like, what's going to happen if he doesn't turn this ship around next season? Like, will there be a GM change? Because ultimately no matter how many good moves Chuck Fletcher makes, the thing that matters are the wins and losses, right? Like the team is 
without it, they are undeniably one of the worst teams in the NHL this season. And despite yeah. the fact that the offseason was largely good for Chuck, the results on the ice speak they're everything. And it just like that says he did a bad job right there. Bad job. But yeah. I just like <laughs> It, man, it sucks. So, just going through some of these signings real quick. We talked about Kevin Hayes. Eric Gustafson was signed as a potential Matt Niskanen replacement. It was just a horrible signing. You know, Keith Yandel and Eric Gustafson might be two of the worst of defensemen I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, no, they've both been absolutely... T- <laughs> the Eric Gustafson, I feel like people were expecting him to come in and be like... Remember he had that one year where he had like 50-something points for the Blackhawks? People oh, yeah. were expecting that. People were expecting him to be like the heir apparent to to ghost and it was just so bad and i have never seen a defenseman be so bad at defense in my entire life and it was just it was terrible and then yandel the thing with yandel is at least he does bring that locker room presence he's clearly well liked in the locker room and like he's he seems like a genuinely like fun awesome dude but he's a gentleman he says sunk he says thank you he says thank you to carter hart like he's just he seems like a really good dude but when it comes to his on ice play, it's just, it's not working at all. It's actively hurting the team whenever he's on the ice. Yeah. It, it's, it was just a disaster of a signing right there. And then most of the other signings we have here are extensions. So there's the Proveroff extension, which I thought looked great at the time, but yeah, is, yeah, I still don't hate it. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it's aging worse each day. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. And then there's the Konechny extension, which I think people could argue about until the end of time. Because nobody can agree on Travis Konechny, but six years, 5.5 is, I think, pretty good, especially for a guy who's now your second highest scorer on the team. And then Farabee's got a very similar extension, six years, five mil a season. I'm cool with that. Couturier extension's an interesting one because, in theory, it's a great extension, but he's getting more injury issues each year. He's out for the rest of this season. Is Sean Couturier going to age okay, or is this going to be a real albatross across the the Flyers uh, for the rest of uh, his career? I think that's one of the big question marks going into next season is, will Couturier continue being the Couturier that we've gotten to know for the last few years? And if the answer is yes, then then I love it. But if he comes back next year after this injury and he doesn't look quite the same, people are going to freak out. And that is going to be, it's going to be so bad just because of how much money he is accounting for in the cap 7.75. Like it's just, it's a lot. And I'm hoping that, you know, <laughs> it's just, it's a shame that there are so many contracts, contracts like this. Like there's him, there's obviously Ryan Ellis has, he's, he accounts for a lot against the books. Um, and then Rasmus Versalainen, as we've spoken about ad nauseum. And Kevin Hayes. There's so many. Kevin Hayes, like there are so many contracts that are marred by either just they're an ineffective player or their injury problems. And it, it it's infuriating that that's where all the money has been distributed to are players with legitimate concerns. And they bring those concerns with them from wherever they were like, I know Kevin Hayes was traded for and everything, but regardless, they they're they're real problems. And I feel like they're just kind of just throwing them out there on a whim, giving these huge contracts to players just saying like, Oh, well, I I guess you're one of the cornerstone players. Here's a a shit ton of money. And I don't know. It's, it's really hard to feel. I don't want to say 
I don't want to say it's hard to feel inspired for the next few years because things can turn around. Like Coots could end up continuing to be Coots and everything, but like just given everything that has happened injury wise to both him and Hayes, it's, there are just so many question marks that need to be explained. Oh, for sure. And it's just, it sucks to be in this like nebulous space here where you are just worried that you're, your best players are just going to be hurt and not be able to show up and not earn their contracts. And then you're probably going to have to trade away like a good player. And then you've also got like, like for instance, James Van Riemsdyk, right? Who that was a Ron Hextall signing. Ron Hextall didn't make many big swings like this, but that was the one guy that he signed for a significant chunk of change. And he's got, I think one more year after this at seven mil and he's just not scoring. And when JVR doesn't score goals, he's just, kind of a worthless hockey player. I, I love James Van Ramstyke, but like he's just not like he's, he does one thing. He scores goals. And if he ain't doing that, he ain't doing anything. Right. Yeah. I feel like he, he has to be a candidate to be bought out. Like, I, I mean, I know we've talked about him potentially being bought out, but I feel like that's one of the main things this offseason that like kind of has to happen just because given his cap hit 7 million a year and buying him out, I don't, from what I remember, I don't think it would be that, much no it really is not bad i I looked it over so i I just i don't know i I feel like that's something they have to go with just because he's not the player that they thought they were getting when they signed him to that deal back when good old hextall was a gm so (laughs) uh ronnie no trades what a good time that was (laughs) uh very and now he's in Pittsburgh. And he's taking swings and he's getting Ricard Raquel. And it's just, yeah. That goddamn Raquel trade was a really good one. And I hate him for it. I hate you. Just full Anakin Skywalker. Damn it. Yeah, no, it's insane. I don't understand. Like, what? Like, and now I'm just, I'm scatterbrained because it's just like, why? Like, when Hextall was the GM of the Flyers, that was his first GM job in the NHL. Was it just he took the whole thing as a learning experience and now he's in Pittsburgh and he's just like, Oh, okay. Now it's go time. And now he's uh, taking swings. And it's just- my opinion is that he was too strict to his plan. And he had like a specifically a five-year plan and he really wanted to right. take like every year of that plan. And then yeah, like he was just like too strict in his, his methods there. And that's why he kept signing these shitty players instead of signing good players. Like, it it, it was a lot of weird moves. And I think part of it was a learning experience. But then he also gets to Pittsburgh and it's like an obvious, like, okay, Crosby and Malkin are old. Latang is old. Like, you got to win with this crew now or never. Right. Yeah. And then they have Brian Burke just like screaming in the back, like, Hexy! Hexy! (laughs) Do this, Hexy! Brian Brian. Brian Burke and his hair. Oh, that hair is just magnificent. Let me tell you. Oh, I it, can't get over the hair. It, it never it's changes, like and I, I actually respect the man for it. No, no, yeah, he's very, very clearly doing it his way. And uh, you know what? Even though he's old, and uh, it's honestly, it's impressive that he even has hair that good at his age. Right? He must be taking play or something. <laughs> Gotta be Bosley. Good old Berkey. Gotta be Bosley. <laughs> I love when those infomercials come on. They're always ridiculous. I did a survey for Bosley one time back at my old survey job, but we'll talk about that another time. All right. I, we're running low on time, so I want to get I want to blow through the rest of this Chuck uh, Fletcher conversation. So notable draft picks, Cam York, Bobby Brink, Ronnie Adder, Zade Wisdom, Tyson Forrester, Samu Tuomala. 
picks. I kind of like those picks. I even generally though, like, like Chuck's draft history so far. I mean, we're starting to see yeah. the the fruits of his labor <laughs> come about now. I don't, it's kind of be a better way to say that, right? But uh, Cam York, I think, looks great so far. Uh, a lot of people are miffed that it's not Cole Caulfield, and I totally I understand yeah. that because Cole Caulfield would be awesome and exciting. But Cam York, it's unfair to Cam York to call him not Cole Caulfield because he looks pretty good so far. Like we're not talking about a Kale McCarr, Nolan Patrick situation here. Yeah. Yeah. But he still appears to be like a, like a very, very good player. And like, I don't know if he's ever going to be like, I know right now they have him playing on the top pairing. I don't know if that's what he ultimately will end up being. I don't know if he's going to be a career top pair defenseman, but like at the very least, we know he's good at quarterbacking a power play um he's last night against the blues i saw him make a really nice play where um there was an incoming four checker and he just kind of like he was kind of going to like behind the flyers net he pumped the brakes real fast did like a quick 180 and then flew up the uh flew up the boards like out of the zone and like i know that that's not like a mind-blowing play or anything like that but that's something that keith yandel certainly won't do that's something that (laughs) Justin Braun definitely won't do. Ivan Provorov in situations like that, I feel like he's become kind of – he gets panicky in situations like that, and that's what leads to turnovers for him. Um, so I just – yeah, I, I like seeing Cam York do little, teeny tiny little things like that that um, result in non-turnovers <laughs> because that's been such a big problem for Flyers defensemen in recent years. Lots of turnovers, and it leads to lots of goals against. So, yeah, I like what I'm seeing from Cam York. Yeah, it's a difference maker for sure. And then like Brink is an interesting one. He's really he's been kicking ass lately. I love that uh, yeah. James Menger calls him uh, uh, Foreman Mills, Cole Caulfield, the discount Cole Caulfield essentially. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I think I've heard good stuff about Adderd from from Maddie. Uh, Zade Wisdom looked really good with the Phantoms last year before he had a terrible injury. Same thing with Tyson yeah. Forrester. And then we don't know too much about Samu, but he's got a very uh, high upside from what I've heard. Yeah, I know Samu can fly. He's got good wheels on him. And, like, that's one of the things – and they've talked about this on the flagship show before. Like, I feel like the Flyers always try to get the most complete player. They're good at – they're, like, good at everything, not great at any one thing. And I feel like that's something they – you kind of need to stray away from for a bit because you look at players – I don't know, like David Pasternak, for example. No one's going to call him – a, a Selkie nominee one day. Uh, no, he's probably not going to win, you know, best 200 foot player in hockey, but he can shoot the puck just about as well as anybody in hockey. And when you have someone like Samu, who granted, I'm not, he's, we've never even seen him in the NHL yet, but he's got wheels and it's good to have players who have that quality where they're just fast and they can move and blow by the defense. It's, it's good to have players like that. We need speed so bad. Oh, especially the Flyers right now. They need skating. So they, it's just... they need any skating, any speed. And that's, I think that's what's most important in what they do. And like, that's what I'd really love to see Chuck do this summer because I think Chuck's very much on the hot seat. And I think he's got, you know, it, I forget who said it on the live show earlier this week, but probably till December to really write this ship. And if the team's still struggling, then like he's going to get a new coaching hire. The new coaching hire is going to be huge. I really hope it's some fresh blood. Like I'm all about fresh blood at this point. And there were some people saying like kind of advocating for a more experienced GM to come in, but I really want to see what Briere can bring to the table. Briere, 
he's in this learning position. He's basically in his GM apprenticeship. And I want somebody with fresh eyes. Like, I want somebody who's got a, a new perspective on the game and has actually played in the salary cap NHL. Like, I feel like that's also huge. Like, a, a part of why Marty St. Louis might be doing so well in Montreal is he's a guy who came up in a more modern NHL and played a speed game. And he actually understands how the modern game is played. And these old hockey men, they just want it to be the broad street bullies. They just want it to be back in the day. And no, we need to evolve. We need to change. Exactly. Yeah. And we, we've talked a little bit about this, like not, not on the show, but Bri- like you brought it up, like Briere's kind of a new age flyer. And he does like he's a he's a former flyer through and through. Everyone loves Danny Briere, but he's not the kind of guy who's he wants to he he's not going to try and instill some sort of old time hockey culture thing on the flyers because that's just not how it is now. And he's seen it firsthand. He was part of it. He had to he had to fight to make his career happen because he was small and he was skilled and, you know. I feel like that's something that the Flyers need is someone who understands that the game is not what it was. The big question is, will the hockey men still on the Flyers, Bob Clark, uh, Holmgren, will they want someone like Briere kind of directing the ship? Would they want someone uh, like Briere going in that de- in that direction? But like, regardless of what it is, it's what they need to do. And I feel like hopefully, you know, I, I think he could do that because – he, he was a speedy player. I think he knows, like, size doesn't quite matter in the NHL anymore. If you can play, you can play. And for God's sake, they're called the Flyers. <laughs> Go fly. Go be fast. They need speed. Like, that's what Danny Briere needs to bring. to the, He needs to kind of model this team after what he was. <laughs> Gonna fly now. Gonna fly now, yeah. They need to go ahead and bring in someone who understands that the game is not a Ristolainen type game anymore. Um, it's the kind of game that you need skill, you need speed, and that's how you win. You, that's how you score goals. And by scoring goals, you win games. So I feel like they need someone to come in and kind of instill that mentality on the franchise because they are lacking it greatly right now. Yeah. I want them to trust if they do put Danny in there. Like, I want them to trust him to do his job. Because one of the things that really was a revelation to me in the past few months is just how involved Bob Clark still is in the day-to-day operations for the Flyers. Like, him going on that podcast and and slandering everything Hextall did. Again, don't get me wrong. Hextall done fucked up. Don't get me wrong. But... For Bob Clark to go in and really just kind of flip over a table and and air all that dirty laundry is very telling to me and very strategic. And I just want a new era of Flyers hockey. I want an actual culture change. And, like, you know, Danny Breer doesn't have to lock the door. <laughs> Still the funniest part of that to me. It's like, he locked the door. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Calm down, Bob. Can't get around a locked door. Come on. But like, let the man do his job and let him change the flyers because we have seen seeing a middling two way hockey team for entirely too long, a two way hockey team that doesn't really particularly play good defense and relies too much on the offensive players to play that defense. So you wear down Claude Giroux and Sean Couturier. Like it's, it's so relieving to see Claude Giroux get to play 
offense with the Florida Panthers, frankly. He had two points in his debut last night. He had a couple assists. And, like, it's just nice to... I, like, I'm, I'm really excited to see... Claude kind of unleashed and let loose and not be as much of a pivotal part of the team as he has been with the Flyers for years now. And we know the guy's got a competitive edge, right? Like he's always been one of the most competitive Flyers. And my favorite thing that has come out with all the Claude Giroux stories in the past few days is the arm wrestling. Apparently Claude Giroux (laughs) loves arm wrestling. The guy loves it. So uh, there's a Charlie tweet from the other day where he said, uh, Ian LaPerriere brings up a time when Claude Giroux arm wrestled Craig Berube. Scott Hartnell said it happened at a bar in Nashville. Hartnell was the ref. Giroux started it out by making it seem like Berube was going to win and then all at once slammed Berube's arm down. Berube left in defeat. That <laughs> is some 1980s Sylvester Stallone shit right there. That's it's so good. friggin' awesome. And it's just funny because you would never expect Giroud to be good at armor. Like, he's it's not a huge dude. Like, he's, what, 5'11"? He's not a big guy. He doesn't look particularly yoked or anything like that. But I guess it's just, I think uh, it might have been uh, Jana Han who, who um, Jana Han, is that how you? I was going to say Jana Han. And apologies to, you know, if you're listening. Yes, I'm Jana, not... if you're listening. Yeah. Yeah. But apologies. But from the Enquirer, uh, I have a bunch of tweets from her here. Uh, asking different players about the arm wrestling, which is just awesome. Yeah, And he just, like, apparently he just uses his leverage very well, which is how he plays on the ice, too. Like, he's very good at using his, like, lack of size to his advantage. And I guess he does the same thing for arm wrestling, which is, like, it's just so funny that he takes it so serious in that, like, it's, like, an ongoing thing with him. I wonder I wonder if this is going to continue in Florida. I hope he just, like... Owns Barkov. Oh, it'd be great. Like, he's just asserting dominance from day one. Uh, I'm going I'm to blow I mean, through these tweets real quick because they're, they're so good. They're all so good. So um, yeah. the first one is, it's his pride. I think it's something where he's from. I guess they're pretty strong arm wrestlers, and I think it's in his family. Him and his dad, I've seen him and his dad go at it, and they're pretty intense. That's from Sean Couturier. <laughs> That's definitely something he loved to brag about, but he could back it up too. That's the funny part. He would challenge guys that were twice his size and they had no chance. So that was pretty funny. Danny Briere. He just knows how to like, you can see on the ice. He knows how to use his body and his leverage. As you were just saying, he'll go against guys that look like they're twice his size. And he'll basically just make it look like it's nothing. James Van Riemsdyk. You can't beat him. I've seen him actually get beat a couple of times, two or three times. I won't name the names of who beat him, but I think that's why he's so good at faceoffs too. He's so strong, his forearms and his arms. Scott Lawton. And then this finally, the oh, the best yeah. one, the, the coup de grace, Jake Voracek, always, <laughs> I think, one of the great quotes in, in Philadelphia Flyers history. I miss him for the quotes alone. Every time he had a few beers, he was telling me how good at arm wrestling he is. I'm like, gee, like, fuck. I heard that fucking a thousand times. Like, I don't want to talk about your arm wrestling fucking skills. <laughs> God, it's so good. And I could like hear him getting annoyed. <laughs> like, I just imagine him and G like few beers down and he just starts talking about, you know, arm wrestling. And I just can imagine Jake just yelling at him like, shut up about your fucking arm wrestling. More like, or less annoyed than when Mike Sealski tries to ask Jake a question. <laughs> Yeah. I wonder if he calls him a weasel, too, whenever he brings up arm wrestling. <laughs> That's so good. Still one of the great, probably the best Flyers thing to happen during the entire pandemic is 
Jake Voracek calling my Sealski a weasel. I still think about Konechny's reaction. He's just like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, oh. This is happening now. Oh, my God. Just a, a masterpiece right there. Absolute masterpiece. I just love this arm wrestling story from Claude Giroux here. I wanted to share that one today. We got a lot more. Ryan, I know you've been dying to share your G memories, but you're running low on time right now, so we'll probably get to that next week. I mean, I'm willing to talk about G for the rest of the season, and, uh, you know, just to not keep anybody in suspense on the G stuff, but... He was asked about this like recently and he, he said something to, like, I think he said the quote was like uh last game in Philadelphia for the Flyers this year. So who knows? Who knows? Oh, did that happen? I did not hear about that. I saw this. I, I, I'll have to get the exact quote, but I don't want to, I don't want to give anybody false hope. Okay? Yeah, I don't I saw that there. Cause the yeah, Flyers yeah. don't even have cap space as of today to do anything. So yeah. Chuck Fletcher's got a lot of work to do. I do want to say this. If they bring him back, like, first of all, I feel like people are just assuming it's a foregone conclusion that he will be back. I really don't. I am not convinced he's coming back. I think he's done. Like, the way, like, everything about it, everything about his last game, like his thousandth game and everything, it seemed like, like a funeral, like a wake or something. And it seemed like it was the end of something. Oh, yeah. It felt like the end of an era. It was, it was kind of beautiful in a way. It was. And I just don't see him coming back. Why would you do that? Like, I don't, I know he loves Philly. This is where his family lives now. And he's, I mean, he really has taken, taken to the city, but at the same time, it's just like, dude, like you can go anywhere. You can go on a good team. You can win a Stanley cup. If you want to go back to fucking Ontario, you can, you can go play for the senators. Nearby Hearst. Nearby her. Didn't you say, <laughs> didn't you tell me that Elliot Friedman dropped that on his goddamn 32 thoughts podcast today? Earlier today. What is today? Friday. He posted a quick little 32 thoughts podcast. And he basically was saying like, what's next for Giroux. And apparently going to Ottawa is legitimate possibility after this Florida Panthers project ends. Well, that's where he grabs cops like, butts. So maybe that's what he's going back gotta, for the cop butts. Maybe he's got to go back up there. He's got to go. He's got a more, a uh, few more butts that need to be grabbed. He didn't get a chance to do it that day. So they were, they're on his hit list for, for butt grabbing. Oh, but, captain, <laughs> my captain. <laughs> oh yeah, baby. But God, Drew, if you're listening, which clearly you are, don't do it, my man. Go win a cup somewhere. Don't go up to the, don't go back up to Ottawa, please. You know, just just honestly, just make it work in Florida or something, right? Like get the weather, hang out. I don't know. Like there's plenty of nice go west. Go play for the Kings. Go live that LA life, you know? Like there's lots of great options. Yeah. Stay in Florida. You got the Everglades. You can go uh you can go sailing around in there in an airboat and you can watch some anacondas fight some alligators. It'll be fun. It'll be a really good time. <laughs> God, that's fighting alligator. It sounds like the sci-fi movie of the week. Dude, I'm t- all right. So I didn't realize this, but there's a legit like civil war. Not Well, I guess there's like a civil war going down in the Everglades between like gigantic 20 foot long pythons and alligators. Dude, it's real. Like shit is popping off down in the Everglades right now in Florida. And it's just that's my shit right there. Like animal stuff. My God, I can talk about it, read about it learn about it all day long to the uh, best. that's what's up right there okay okay i, I, <laughs> it's I think we got though, some like... some summer content right there then <laughs> oh baby oh do we ever i'm gonna head down there my cousin lives down in florida 
it, actually, this is kind of a fun way to, to end the story or to end the show. So I get a call from my cousin the other day and he's like, Ryan, what's up? How's it going? I'm like, Kev, not too much. Good to hear from you. And he says, hey, what are you doing April 30th? I go, April 30th. I don't know. I don't think I don't think too much. I know that's when the uh, the NFL draft is going on. I might have to do some stuff for NBC Philly for that. And he's just like, oh, OK, well. You know, let me know. Uh, there's there's a concert I want to go to, and I know you would be down to go with me. I'm like, oh, really? Who's uh, What concert are you trying to go to? And he's like, well, Ryan, before I tell you, I just want you to know I've been wanting to see these guys for years. And they're finally coming. And I was like, all right, well, who is it? He's just like, Ryan, I, I really want to see this, this concert. I'm like, Kevin, tell me who you want to see. Ryan, Limp Biscuit is coming down to Florida, and I have got – to go to this show unironically. Like, we have got to go to this show. And I'm just like, oh my fucking God. You know what? I think I would go see Limp Biscuit unironically. Like, for the fun, I think I would totally do it. Oh, I man. You and fun. Kelly Hinkle right there. Dude, Kelly, come on down to Florida. Let's go watch some Limp Biscuit sing some songs. <laughs> like, She's into it. It would, be, it would be so weird, but it would be like, everyone would be. Every single person at that show would have to be drunk. I mean, you don't go that show sober. No, like, no absolutely not. not. No, you're gonna sing along yeah. to break stuff. That's that's what you do. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe after if if I do end up going down to that show, um, that's a big question mark. But if I do, maybe I'll maybe I'll go check out some at. I was gonna about to say Adirondacks. I'll go check out the Everglades, hang out with some gators, and uh, come back with some stories for the summer when the uh, the dog days really begin. When the Flyers, uh, you know, are possibly after their aggressive retool begins. Yes. Who knows? We'll see. Who knows what they'll do? But you know, I, I did mention break stuff. By the way, you know, it's breaking stuff right now, and this is going to be very quick. Cole Beasley, our old friend, Cole Beasley, <laughs> breaking stuff left and right. Maybe he's going to release a new album because that. Dude was released by the Buffalo Bills. Mr. No Vaccine himself is saying, sorry, not sorry, getting released by the Bills. And folks, we're truly living in the United Hate of America. 80 stings <laughs> of pain to Mr. Cole Beasley with the worst rap album of all time. And uh, that's a shame. Real shame. Future Eagle. Future Eagle, oh. Cole Beasley. If, if Eagles were to sign Cole Beasley, if they were to sign Cole Beasley, I would straight up jump off. Yeah, I, I, I think I'd go throw some eggs at the link and maybe like <laughs> throw some some vaccine needles at Cole. But oh, that guy's such an asshole. I fucking hate that guy. He's the oh worst. He's the worst. I hate him as yeah. a cowboy and then I hated him as a rapper. So that's where we're at. And then yeah, on a final note, the show is brought to you by the yellow and black Nextel walkie talkie phone, which is the... <laughs> the worst cell phone of all time. And I really just desperately needed to mention this because we were talking about this in the Slack the other day because Sam Carcidi, our dear friend, Slam and Sammy posted a video, friend of, that, the show. a friend of the show. Yes. Uh, posted a video he received from Zach Hill on the flyers of like Claude Giroux going through the tunnel. And it, it would have been a very cool video if it had been in, I don't know, any modern bit rate. It just was the blurriest, <laughs> shittiest video I've ever seen. I could not believe it. And Sam always, like, Sam has a reputation for just posting blurry, shitty videos. And just the the comments were just dunking on him, which it's classic Slam and Sammy <laughs> right there. Just like, uh, let's see, some of them. 
Uh, Jason from the blog said better quality on the Zabruder film. Sam, <laughs> somebody said, was this filmed on an Xfinity remote? Somebody said someone still got their Motorola Razor. <laughs> Sam, was someone, this filmed on person, a Game Boy? <laughs> someone said, uh, Sam, I think your potato is running low on batteries. <laughs> <laughs> so good. I mean, what... What Charlie theorized was that because it was uh, Sam's got an Android or something and it was sent from an iPhone and the bit, you know, basically it didn't translate well. But this all then we had like a little iPhone Android war who gives a shit. And then uh, we started talking about our crap ass like first phones, like the foot phones from back in the day. I had like a Motorola and then like an LG. And then James Minger brought up nextel bros and the nextel phones were the ones that like yellow and black atrocities with the walkie talkie feature that would just go off at all times of day it was one of the most obnoxious features any phone has ever had do you do you are you aware of these do you know these so i never had this i never had that phone um i feel like it's been it's it's been yeah i think my first phone was uh like an lg something yeah um I don't, I can't, <laughs> I can't tell you but that, that I remember that phone specifically. This phone, I only remember it because it was the most annoying cell phone of all time because it had a walkie talkie feature built into it that I don't know if you couldn't turn it off or what, like it was just always an active walkie talkie. A lot of like uh, construction workers and like, I think firefighters and, and people like that, like people who would typically need a walkie talkie would use those. And a lot of them would have them as their work phone. So like you'd be sitting there in the middle of a movie and I'd be like, Hey Randy, what's going to go in the uh, <laughs> just like, are you kidding me, dude? Are you, and it would just go off all the time, just constantly. And it was just so obnoxious. Like just, if, just make a call, <laughs> just make a call. What did you and that was like cell phones in the mid to late, well, really early 2000s too. Just totally, my God, we used to have it so difficult. And um, we complain, we think we have problems now. We have nothing, we have no problems. Now. We have the world at our fingertips. Back then we had to hit the three button like four times to type the letter D. And it's just, uh, yeah, I don't know, it's insane. I tweeted I from a phone, for, from a flip phone before. I've tweeted from a flip phone. You can do that? You could back in the day when Twitter was first around. Oh <laughs> I had no idea that that was ever possible. I, cause I signed up, I was like, I signed up, for, I'm a very early Twitter adopter. I think I signed up in 2008. So like, I oh, actually wow. used to tweet from like my phone and it was terrible. So guys, like yeah. things are way easier. I like, oh, 10 cents a text message. Oh, I'm out of minutes. Had to raise the antenna oh, up boy. to get reception. It was all bad. But the walkie talkie phone was the worst of it. And it was a goddamn menace to society. Good riddance to the walkie talkie phone. And what an episode. Walkie talkie phones, brushing teeth, Chucky two trades, all the good stuff. <laughs> Ryan's got to go, so we're going to sign off. But, folks, thanks so much for listening. If you have any feedback for us, the best place is on Twitter. Ryan, you're at Ryan Quiggs with a Z, right? Ryan Quiggs with a Z on the Twitter machine. Excellent. Uh, anything you want to plug real quick, writing-wise, you're working on? Oh, man, not too much. Uh, I think I'm taking a lot of this week to kind of recuperate. It was a long last week. Lots of uh, NBC Philly work. Um, obviously the trade deadline. I'm actually going to be uh, rejoining Knights on Ice. Oh, wow. I used to cover the Golden Knights for Knights on Ice for a while. Wow. And um, so now I'm going to be doing that again. That's really exciting. Uh, but still going to be writing some, pumping out some flyers tent 
uh, just per usual. So um, not sure what I'm going to be writing about next, but it's coming. So, All right. Yeah, lots of good stuff coming down the road. Good stuff. Looking forward to it. You can reach me at Flyperbole or at Esteban, but if for hockey purposes, make it Flyperbole. Follow BSH Radio, follow Broad Street Hockey. Broad Street Hockey and Flyperbole are on a bunch of stuff. Uh, Flyperbole specifically is on Instagram as well. Blah, blah, blah. Folks, thanks so much for listening. In the words of the great Gene Hart, good night and good hockey. Wow, 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 wow. Wow, 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 wow.